We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Was was that the uh, the best Warriors win of the season? <laughs> we recorded before the game, uh, not not really a preview, but some overall thoughts about the season. And then they go out and they do that, Sam. That's what we deserve, by the way. Is what we deserve. I know you guys are gonna laugh so hard because um, what we recorded. So we're trying to not stay up till one a.m. recording every night. So we wanted to talk about the Steve Kerr quotes on like how he would change yep. the starting lineup. And it just it just will sound so funny after you watch the Spurs game. <laughs> I think some of it I think some of it stands. I think some of it will stand. But we're recording this after the game now, and that was the most that was the best game of the season, and that was the game to me that the Warriors looked like Steve Kerr's team. That team looked to me like that was peak Steph Draymond and then Steve Kerr, like just perfect, right? Like that's why this team became a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, they, they uh, from opening tip, yep. they look like they had added energy. They're playing faster than the other team. And yep. when, sometimes people think faster just means athleticism or speed. To me, faster with the Warriors is mental. It's always like ping, ping, passing. Yep. And, you know, they just looked like um, they, they look like the old Warriors or anything. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was inauguration day, a little added, a little added spice. Got to wear the Forever Warrior jerseys. Uh, you know how much that means to Steph. I I refuse to believe that wasn't part of the reason, but uh, but I mean they look great and they kind of it, it makes all sorts of like what are they doing criticisms look funny when they play like this. Like I, at some point they're gonna hit a block and not look like this, but it's just fun to watch when that. I, 
I think I think that well, they first of all they haven't looked like this all season, right? So I think they're going to hit a maybe, block maybe, here. The, maybe the Kings game, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kings game was was great, but this felt it felt like when you know Kevon Looney's mostly always making the right play, but when I see Andrew Wiggins make that pass um, to Wiseman, when I see you know Kelly Oubre make the right pass, when I see Draymond Green or Steph actually throwing an alley-oop to Wiseman and Draymond making the alley-oop to Wiseman instead of doing like a weird wraparound bounce pass that Wiseman can't catch. Like when I'm seeing them make these like final pass plays to these guys, it it just, it felt like, like Steve Kerr was jerking off in the locker room after this. Like there's, there's no doubt. Like this is, this is what he envisioned that team could do. Part of it was that the Spurs couldn't shoot today though, Sam, like part of that, like, let's be clear. Like they were four for 33 from three. didn't feel like it's not oh, like, they hit a fourth one. I was going to say they were three for 32. I forgot about that. I mean, you got to right, love when so you get garbage time. You forget about that. That was part of it, right? <laughs> but but beyond that, like this team is, uh, dare we say that they're starting to get how to play Warriors basketball? Do, do, do we start to say that? Because you look at the schedule, it's perfect now for this team to start to continue playing this way because they start to see the Knicks tomorrow. They start to see the the Timberwolves, right? They get some good tests and stuff like that. But, yeah, this is a good start to what seems what seems to be a good stretch of games. I mean, that's another conversation. They got to take these games that um, yep. are gimmies and stack up wins because at some point at midseason, something weird is going to happen. Steph might have to sit a game. Draymond may sit a game, and you'll probably throw away a game that you don't want COVID. to. So, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So they, they need to rack those wins up. But to me, I want to, to pull this back. Everything tonight starts with Steph and Draymond. Draymond had, I want to say, seven points in the first quarter. And it's not that I think Draymond's going to be a big-time scorer because that's just not who he is anymore. But, like, hits a three. Yes. The the play that really cemented it for me was when Steph set a screen for him in the half court. 2015-16, Draymond takes that to the rack. The Draymond we saw the last couple years – kind of dwells on the ball and waits for someone else to get open to get the pass tonight. He's like, Steph sets a screen, two defenders go with Steph because obviously they do. And he's immediately like open lane layup right there. And those are the little things that, you know, maybe we haven't seen from Draymond as much over the years, but like when the Warriors are doing that, when Steph is popping around the court with a little added emphasis everything else will fall into line. Like, yes, everyone was making the extra passes tonight, but it, it really does start and end with Stefan Draymond. Yep. A lot of uh, the first five minutes, Andrew Bogut had a great quote, friend of the show. <laughs> Not really. He blocked me. Um, but <laughs> I think I called him Mago or something. Um, Relax. But he made a great point, but he made a great point that Steph plays his way because he knows that if he, if everyone like this is to, the forever argument that that Warriors fans, me, you, everyone else on the timeline, everyone in existence is always going to say, should Steph be aggressive? Should he play off the ball? Should he find a right balance? What should he do? Sammy comes out here today, and I don't think he shot the ball for the first four minutes. Like, no, I think he set a record for screen set by a point guard <laughs> in the first five minutes of the game. Like, it was hilarious because I was like, <laughs> he was incredibly aggressive running from player to player. Yes. Screening. Yes. Like, it was like so fast. Like, it was... It was, it's the type of thing that coaches would be like, if you could show more urgency setting a screen like Steph did here, 
we could win, you know, like, you know, our I mean, MVP both, is setting screens. Yeah. We've, we've both heard, we, everyone's heard that one in like some sort of JV league in high school <laughs> at some point, you know? So, uh, you know, he, it's like when Kobe used to make it a point to not, or to only pass, you know, in the first right, half right, because, yeah. because guys would be like, he's a ball hogger. Steph is like, he's making it a point to be like, you know what? I'm going to win. We're going to win. We're going to play well. And I'm going to back screen. And, uh, you know, he got his shots, right? He got his shots up. He scores 10 points in a few minutes. It's what he does. And that's the point that Bogan made is he does what he does. He gets his guys involved, relaxes the defense a little bit, and then he goes on his little spree. He goes on a flurry, and then it's over, right? And, and the game was essentially kind of over by the first quarter. You can see where this was headed. Um, and I think that's, like, that's who Steph Curry is, right? Like, that's what makes him the best. Like, he doesn't be – he is not peak prime Steph Curry, because he's holding the ball all day and dribbling and shooting. He had 20 points at halftime, Sam. So he's on pace for 40 points, despite the fact that if he shot the ball every possession, you probably could have had 30 in the first half, right? But that's not that's not how it works. Yeah, and, and that's kind of the deal with Steph. Um, everyone these days is just trying to kind of like yeah. get my numbers first and then yeah. figure it out later. And Steph is – he plays the game honestly. And it's – uh you know, when you do that, you're going to have games where, like, why does he not just take over? What is he doing setting all these screens? But then you have nights like this where you're like, he had 26 or 27, and but it felt like he could have had 50 if he wanted to. But it doesn't matter because they were up 20 based on everything he did the whole time. So I, all that's positive. Um, Some uh, One more thing about Steph. Yeah. Some incredible passing tonight uh, from yes. him, especially to the corner. He had four turnovers because he always pulls those dumbass passes. He had two where he's just – honestly, I don't know what he's doing. I think he just, like, mind lapses. And he, like, just ends up in, like, another universe for, like, a split second. So he just throws a dumb pass. Man, but some of the stuff, Sam, where he splits the double or he does – like, he's doing a lot of um, set a screen. Someone sets a screen on the left side. He fakes the left, goes back to the right, gets by the guy, right? But he is finding guys right now in the corners, kind of like James Harden um, and LeBron. Like some of those passes, except the difference is he's six three and he can't see over those trees like someone like LeBron does, right? So he's making some making some of those cross court passes. He had one where he it was a uh, to Wiggins from one side of the court all the way to the other, where he's just like looping it with one hand, classic Steph fashion. Um, yeah, man, some of the passes that he's throwing out there really, I think he hasn't done since like his first couple of seasons in the NBA when he was the primary ball handler, and since then, you know, we've seen the Jarek Jacks and the and the <laughs> Andre Iguodala's and, and players like that really take really put and, them I th- off and, and, and i cool do th- and i do think um it's just a reminder that you know what he had to sacrifice to play with better players because I, stuff's a good passer he he is like he is he a better passer than lebron james no but like that doesn't mean he's not an excellent passer but like with passing there's a level of rhythm and yeah when you're playing off ball because you're trying to accommodate four players who can't play off ball your, your passes are going to ebb and flow as we're seeing now when he gets to touch the ball a little more often, he finds a rhythm, you get less dumb passes. Like he's always going to throw turnovers, but there's, there's a crispness to his passing that comes with rhythm and he's the ultimate rhythm player. Like I I don't think people really give enough credence to the fact like, yeah, let him play in a certain role. He'll figure it out and he'll be very effective at it over time. Like, the off-ball thing is not because he's not capable of playing on ball. The off-ball thing is because no one else is capable of being that effective off-ball as him. Like, he's very unique in that sense where it's almost a waste to not use it as a weapon because you can find dudes who can 
run a pick and roll. You can't find dudes who can set two screens, catch the ball and either hit it or do a second pick and roll out of it as effectively as if they just dribbled the ball at the top of the key. That's always kind of the conundrum with him. And that's kind of why he, you know, probably is the most skilled player in the league. If not, you know, it's maybe it's KD and he's the second most skilled, but like end of the day, like he, he can do more things than anyone in terms of just variety of ways he can use them. It's like a, it's like a wide receiver who has just a route tree with like 8 billion routes where you're just like, I don't even know what to run for them as opposed to like, I don't know, like someone like Randy Moss, we're like, well, we're just gonna run a fade every time because that's what he's amazing at. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the off ball stuff I thought was a great point because Steph is the greatest off ball player and you can compare him to a JG Redick or even like a Clay Thompson. But the difference is that when he's off the ball and he gets the ball, he's not just shooting the ball, like he can get the ball and then he can drive, split the double, draw a foul, get to the hole, create a shot. And that's stuff that you don't see. Like you're saying, I think KD's probably the closest guy because KD can play off the ball too. Right. But Steph is on another level because he's grown up playing that way. He's always been that type of guy. Uh, and the offense is catered to that type of style. And I think it's even more fun when you see Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins out there involved. And, and, and tonight, I don't know where you want to go with this next, but tonight, James Wiseman breakout game, like 20 yeah, points. Yeah, I was, was going to awesome. say, I was going to ask, do you want to go Wiseman or Oubre next? So yeah. let, let's do Wiseman. Um, it's funny because I, <laughs> I still, I want to see Wiseman shoot threes, but you know, I'll, yeah. we'll get to that later in the pod. Um, it was good to see Wiseman just excel at the basics tonight, which is <laughs> finish everything inside. Honestly, <laughs> like, I, I mean, you know, we can talk about how the Spurs defense was terrible tonight, but it, it's a starting point for Wiseman. Anyone who cut to the rim, if he he was hanging around on the block there and, you know, even a little farther out than the block, to be honest, because he's it feels like he's on the block at all times because yeah. he's, he's massive. Like he could be at the elbow and it's like, well, it's just one stride to get to the block for him. Right. Um, and he's uh, he was he was super effective at that. And on top of that, I was almost more impressed with his awareness with the passing. Yeah, the one to he had three assists to start. The four, one to four. Oh, he had he had four total yeah. tonight. Yeah, yeah, three in the three in the first half. I thought they put him in a better position. I thought that was a lot of it. They did a lot of uh, Draymond at the top. Steph was off ball, but they also got Steph the ball on the wing a little bit where he's coming off a screen. So it's not not really Sam like a high pick and roll, I guess, but it kind of is. Like they're getting him in a, in a way that makes sense, where it's kind of a dribble handoff with a screen, and then when it's just Wiseman sitting there right uh, on the low block when Steph is driving or Draymond's driving, then it's easy money. Um, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy what he has to do right now in this type of offense and like, whatever. So the defense was bad, but you're not going to play Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic every game. Guess what? Like there's 28 other teams in the NBA, right? You're going to play the Lamar Aldridge's or the Spurs. You're going to play the Knicks coming up. You're going to play the Wolves. So, um, it was good to see those. It wasn't even flashes. I think he overall had a, had a very, very good game. No, he had an excellent game. I mean, it's, I would take this from him every night this year. Like you're hoping for more long-term, but like in general, if he's just dominating the paint in terms of finishing everything and rebounding. And honestly, he wasn't terrible on defense tonight. I think, I mean, he, he had some rookie mistakes, but he sure. defended DeMar DeRozan a couple times on drives uh, before DeRozan left the game. Um, and it was better than what we saw a week ago. And 
it's all the stuff like, I mean, there, there are, st- I really do want to just see him, you know, like get, be allowed to shoot more threes and a little more, but like, honestly, I'll, I'll take what I can get in terms of his the, development at this point. Right. Yeah. The deep, the rebounding is big. Um, the rebounding, I, he didn't have a double, double tonight. He had six rebounds and just one offensive rebound, but I think that's another part of the game that I don't think Warriors fans have ever seen. I've never seen it where, you, uh, you have a big man who's going to offensive rebound and finish. Like there, right, there's right. no guy that's ever done it in my existence as a Warriors fan. I can't think of any. Hey, Beedrins, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. may maybe the closest guy, but like Wiseman had one offensive rebound where he just ripped it in a in a in a group of two other Spurs and just throws it back down, right? And like he did that once. That's a flash, but like that's something that, like that can take over games. Like when look at the Warriors, they've played against some of these teams that have guys that do that. Anthony Davis literally did that all game. Like just easy buckets. Ten points is ten points, Sam. If you get five putback layups, that's 10 points. That's the same thing as five mid-range jumpers. And, and some nights you're not going to face a team where it's this easy. Some nights you need to take every easy point you can, yep. right? Yep. yep. All right. Um, By the way, uh, if we're going to Kelly Oubre next, um, it's really funny box score stat that he's plus one. Um, yeah. He, he's playing with the bench, so it does make sense. The bench was a little worse tonight, but I thought that was funny. Isn't that the funniest part? Like, the Warriors had the worst net rating of starters in the NBA entering tonight's game there. So that was kind of what spurred our conversation about how the starting lineup doesn't work, which we're going to get to later. And tonight the starters looked amazing together and it's not going to, they're still going to have the worst starting um, plus minus of anyone because it's going to take them like five games of playing like this to work out of that big of a black hole statistically. But it was kind of, you know, a little bit of validation for, for Steve Kerr sticking with the lineup, I guess. Uh, he said after the game that this was the best two-way game uh, that the team has played all season. You can't really deny that. Um, no, you can't. I wonder. I wonder. You know, I ask you this. I wonder if if it's chemistry that the team that the starters played a lot better tonight. Was it just the Spurs missing shots, or was it just the Warriors making shots? Like, I'm 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 curious which which one is more. And I think that would tell you maybe moving forward what's more sustainable, right? Because if it's chemistry, it's probably the most sustainable. So I, I think it's a little bit of each. Obviously, look, you're not playing a team who's going four of 33 from three every <laughs> night. Like, that's just a reality. I actually don't know that the Warriors played that great of defense tonight. I thought they were active. I think the Spurs missed some easy looks, too. You know, on another night, uh, a team might go nine of 33 or 10 of 33, which is still not good. But that chain, you know, six, six made threes would be a big deal for the Spurs, right? It would, it would change everything. Right. So um, I, I think that's part of it, but beyond that, like if the Warriors are going to play with this kind of energy, that's the the biggest thing for me. I, I'm mostly curious to see what happens when they play with this kind of energy against a team who's hitting tough shots, you know, Spurs are probably not talented enough to be that team, but maybe the Clippers are maybe uh, the Nuggets are these teams that they've played in the past. Like, you could see the Denver, you could see the Warriors playing with this energy level and the Denver Nuggets hitting shots. And that's kind of the type of, that's a separation of a great defense, in my opinion. Like, you know, at, at some point you, you'll you play a dude who hits bad shots in your face and does it break your spirit or do you still stay locked in the whole way? Those are the type of things that like, I mean, 
you know, we, we, we just can't really get to until we, we start seeing it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's tough. I, it's a great point. And I don't, I don't think they're there. I don't think they'll get there. It's just that requires James Wiseman to be a lot better than he is defensively. That requires Andrew Wiggins, by the way, I wanted to mention this too. Andrew Wiggins looked like he was hurt tonight. Um, he looks like he looks like he was hobbling a little bit. He's obviously he's hurt. He should probably not play tomorrow and just rest until the game against Utah this weekend. I don't know if they need him to beat the the Knicks here. Um, the Knicks but, have been good, but yes, yes. Julius Rand- Julius Randall, King King Randall, King Julius. But your <laughs> but your point stands. The Knicks also just don't have a lot on the wings, so it's like <laughs> it is especially a game you could probably get away with him. Missing. Um. Uh, yeah. To me, I think it's just he played 31 minutes. Uh. He's plus 27. Good on defense. Made a bunch of threes. Uh. Got to the hole. Like his his get to the hole. Get to the hole in pass game. And then the post game little flip shot, half hook, uh, half hook push shot kind of thing is just money right now. And I think it's it's man, the guy is tough, right? Like I think a lot of the criticism with Andrew Wiggins is that like he doesn't care. He's kind of soft. He kind of floats. But so far this season, so far in his Warriors tenure, Sam, like it's been super cool to see him be genuinely like it looks like he's having he's fun super likable. And I yeah. think the fan base is starting to really warm up to him. Yes. I think yes. what's interesting is um, he, he's shy. Like you watch his interviews, and you're like, this guy really doesn't want to talk to anyone at all. <laughs> and um, it makes you wonder, you know, it, it gives the impression that he doesn't care. But, like, all I'm seeing is, like, I don't know that he's a leader, per se. I think he's a guy who works really hard and works with, with other players well. And that's, and, and that's good, you know? Yep. Like, he might yep. be the perfect guy to play with Steph and Draymond because he's, he's willing to follow their lead, so to say. Yep. Um, that, that, that's, and I think that's, that's just Wiggins to a T, right? That's the stuff you hear in Minnesota. And I think um, – it would have been an even better fit if there was Clay Thompson and Absolutely. obviously he's not playing, yeah. but like, it's just, it's like, you can see he's genuinely, it's just easy. He's not like he's Harry B like they're similar in some ways, but Harry B would just float through games where he would literally not look for a shot and just disappear. I think Wiggins like sometimes does the same things, but if you get him the ball, like he's playing the way that he's going to play no matter what. Um, I think that bodes maybe worse when you're in a high leverage game. But again, he's not a superstar. So um, I think that's a it, it's a cool part of Wiggins. That's nice to see. I, I just I think he's gotten a uh, I mean, I've I fucking called him soft many times, <laughs> but uh, I, right. I, I feel, I and, feel and, I, and, it's cool to see him play like this. And I do want to say um, maybe this is the difference between he's 25. He'll be 26 in the next month and a half or so. I know it's coming up um, when Harry B was on the Warriors, he was like 22. And, you know, we, we've watched uh, Harrison in Sacramento. He's gotten a lot better. I oh, think yeah. he's actually been really good for them, honestly. This season, yeah. And, and you- I think in some ways it's – in some ways, uh, I don't want to say if, if, I feel bad for, like, critiques of Harrison Barnes, but, like, he was a victim of being too young to be on that Warrior team, right? Like, everyone else was ready to compete, and he was, like, a year or two away from being that guy, right? Um, Wiggins, I mean, he's still young. He's still figuring out, but like, he's just a little more evolved than Harrison Barnes was when Harrison Barnes was on the Warriors in 2015. Right. And in some ways it's in some ways the timeline hits, like, you know how we've, we've been seeing in the discord chat guys are like, are they going to make trade the pick? Are they going to trade Wiseman for win now help? And 
I don't know how you feel, but like, I kind of feel like I want, I'd rather, I'm not really interested in trading Wiseman unless you're netting, you know, a top 15 player, right? Like I'm not trading Wiseman just to get a, you know, Andre Drummond or something like that. Right. Yeah. 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 This, um, yeah. And this, and no, go ahead. Go ahead. And I was going to say, um, that's kind of, but that's kind of the catch 22 of timelines when he, you know, you know, Steph Curry is still good enough to be the best player in a title team. And you, you often, you want to surround him with players who can help you now. And it's, the Warriors are ultimately in this weird spot where it's like they can compete now, but they also have these pieces they want to keep for the future. And it's just, I, I, I know other teams really trying to do that, to be honest, like yeah. Brooklyn traded everything to go all in on, you know, just the, the bucket getting all-star team. And then like, you know, like I obviously like LeBron, you know, shipped out um, Lonzo and Ingram and all those dudes. Um, and and that's kind of like how the NBA is going. No one's really doing what the Warriors are doing. I think that's a, that's a final best way to put it is that there's nobody that are, that's trying to do what the Warriors are trying to do. And if they do it right, this thing's got a long shelf life on it. So um, yeah, one more. I do. I want to end with well, this before we get to the break. Okay, so the Warriors are eight and six. They um they have six games before the end of the month. Okay. Yep. Knicks, Jazz. Yep. Timberwolves twice at Phoenix, Detroit. What do you? What would you think? So six games left two teams in there on the road who are probably going to be no actually they'll definitely be utah and phoenix will be favored against them yep. and four teams at home that they should be favored yep what do you what what would you consider a good return from those six games ending january yeah i mean they better be four and two um it better be four and two i i think they you know, I don't think they're as, they're as good as Utah right now. Um, I think Utah's not as good as Denver, um, just offensively. I think that's why the Warriors right. just couldn't keep up. I think some of that was the altitude stuff. I think, Sam, they should be able to win one of the games against Phoenix or Utah. If I had to pick one, it would probably be Phoenix. Um, Phoenix okay. is fine. They've been somewhat impressive. Um, they're kind of hard to watch, though, a, a little bit. Um, very, very very Chris Paul where you like you respect it but you're like I don't know if I'm enjoying what I'm watching <laughs> I don't yeah that's honestly that's how I feel with the Lakers too but it's like I, I don't know how how good they are yet and so I want to see that if I had to pick a game that I think the Warriors would lose I mean would win uh, of those two would probably be that one just because um just because we don't know right I know what Utah is and I think Utah is still better than the Warriors today so five and one would be great but they better be four and two uh, you can't lose to Detroit or the Minnesota and then and the New York tomorrow. And honestly, both those games will be fun because like Gobert is a Gobert might be the only center Wiseman faces who's bigger than him. Um, so that'll just be interesting. And then um, I'm not a DeAndre Ayton guy, uh, but that's also going to be an interesting test for Wiseman from that perspective. And yep. then I mean, like goes without saying Steph versus CP is always fun. Always. So, um, and then, you know, Kelly Uber is going to be back in Phoenix blowing kisses at all his ladies. So <laughs> yeah. Kelly Uber enjoying Scottsdale, enjoying old town. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I mean, if they go four and two, they would be 12 and eight at the end of January. And I think, that adds up to 20 games. <laughs> what he needs to be honestly though. But like if they're 12 and if they're 12 and eight through 20 games, 
I don't think either you or I thought that was where they're going. No. And no. so you can't really complain about that. That's good. Yeah, I, I saw more of like an 8 and 12, 10 and 10, maybe, you know, like the first 20 games. I was like, hang at 500. Yeah. Until you figure it out. Yeah, so 12 and 8, and I think at this point, you're almost expecting 12 and 8 because losing those four games, unless Steph or Draymond's – unless Steph's not playing, honestly. Like, if Steph's not playing, then maybe then they, they, they have a shot to lose any of those games. But uh, but if Steph's playing in all of those games, you should be 4 and 2. So, um, no, they got a nice road ahead of them, Sam. I think they've gotten through some of the larger rough patches so far. Um, and we haven't talked about Ubre. A couple impressive wins. A yeah. couple impressive wins, yeah. Um, and and I think, like, it'd be nice to see Ubre kind of keep getting it going, right? Like, two for four from three tonight, if he can keep getting it going and actually being able to shoot and keep it up defensively, like, this is a, a fun regular season team uh, that could make some noise. Come game 40, maybe. Maybe they'll even be better game 40, Steve. Who knows? <laughs> According <laughs> yeah. to Steve, yeah. Nah, I mean, it's it's a good spot. Um, and And, yeah, I mean – should we do some draft talk when we get the Wolves games next week? Should, Ooh. We, Should we just really rub it in the Wolves' faces? Or just like, you know, we don't even talk about these games. We're talking about Jalen's only tonight. I did see she just retweeted a Jalen Johnson to the Warriors mock draft. So, yeah, we'll get someone on uh, uh, come come the Minnesota game so we can talk about uh, who the Warriors are going to get on top uh, on top of James Wiseman and Andrew Wiggins looking like the next version, looking like a better version of Harry B. So, all right, guys. I hope you are all sitting down because we have something to tell you. We have to tell you something monumental. We love sports betting. Yeah, I saw Sam actually betting the live action uh, in the second, third, and fourth quarter like a sick fuck. Uh, and whether you've been betting for a while or you've been thinking about getting started, we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an and with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. So when you sign up for a Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game. You can see money and bet. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Percentages of every game. And you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. Ooh. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking at Bet Smarter, Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now. Receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code 
light years. This offer won't last, so go to theactionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code LIGHTYEARS to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash lightyears now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash LightYears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. And we are back. I uh, hope you all registered with the Action Network. You know, just we're giving you the winners here. So Wow, and an ad shout out right at the jump, <laughs> Sam, like a, like a pro. <laughs> Amazing. So, five stars, so subscribe, five stars, you know, so like yours premium, all the fun stuff, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so Steve Kerr said something yesterday. Um, if we get Tim to insert it right here. The team is, is learning on the fly and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, very honest. If I, if I had to win a game tomorrow, I, I wouldn't start that group. If this was a one, one-time thing, I, I would start a different group and probably, you know, go to some different combinations, but this is the team that I want to see develop a really good defensive identity. And James needs to be out there. Kelly and Andrew need to be together on the wings, guarding, you know, LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George and all those guys. So it's going to take some time. And in the meantime, there's going to be some growing pains, but I'm okay with it because for us to be great down the road, whether it's by the end of this year or even next season, James has to develop and, and Kelly and Andrew have to get comfortable. And, and so I'm willing to, you know, to sacrifice some things here early in the season to try to get to where we want to go later on. So th- that's Steve Kerr. First off, I want to say I- I'm glad at least Steve Kerr acknowledges the starting lineup doesn't work because I thought I was going insane with that, but it's very clear. He's, he's not, um, he has a larger purpose here. So what are your thoughts? Do you think Steve Kerr, do you think he walks into every room? You know, you've worked with corporate in corporate environments. You know, there's always one asshole that walks into every meeting like five minutes late while everyone started and talking and going to a prezzo. Then he, and he walks in, he sits down and he just immediately, you just know he's a dick and you just know he thinks he's the smartest guy there. And sometimes he's right. Most of the times he's right. And it's infuriating to me, that guy. Sam, that's Steve Kerr. Yeah, but I don't think he's right. So I, okay, so let's <laughs> let's argue. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, okay. So um, what he's right about is the goal the goal is to have your team peaking in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't a, mm-hmm. um, you know, this isn't 2018 where you're running back a group that's played together for, you know, six years in a row. And, you know, all you're really concerned about is like health, right? Um, this is a new group. So there's questions about how you get them peaking at the same time. Uh, what I'm confused about is, how being so stringent with this starting lineup is doing that because to me, and he had another quote where he said, we want to make the playoffs this year and see what happens and then really contend next year. If your goal is to contend, shouldn't you, sorry, if your goal is to contend next year, which basically means you don't think you can compete for anything special this year, which to be fair, clay went down. We all kind of acknowledge like that kind of screws you. Right. Um, wouldn't you, wouldn't you maybe want to start Damian Lee because he's like the closest thing you have to at least mirroring what Clay Thompson would do. Like if your goal is to get James Wiseman to be a better player and get comfortable with playing the way the Warriors want, don't you want that? Okay. So there's a, I think there's a couple different things Steve Kerr is juggling here. Um, number one is, is the front office and Kelly Oubre's contract. So that's number one. That's I think the most obvious one. I think okay. it's hard. Like it, you can, you can, and I think they should. We talked about this at nauseum. But fourteen million dollar contract, eighty million dollar in taxes. Uh, it's hard to bench that for Damian Lee. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I think that he's also like the guy thinks he's Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich combined. I think there's a bit of like there's a bit of I would rather be right about me uh, versus anything else in the world. And I think he's been right a lot in his career. Um, you can argue whether, like, I think with Houston is the best example. He's always said James Harden's going to, like, behind the scenes and in front of the scenes, James Harden's going to wear down, wear down. Chris Paul's going to wear down. Those guys aren't real shooters. We play the way that we play. We're going to beat them in the long series. Sam, they've beat them in the long series every single time, seven games and six games, right? You can argue whether if they just run pick and run, they win it in four or five. That's fine. I think that's fair, but they've won. So I get, I think you can say that he's right there. Um, and I also think that. I think that he's better at ego management than he is at uh, than he is at actual schematics from an X's and O's level. Um, and I think this is like a peak perform, like this is like peak Steve Kerr in terms of how he's playing to the media. Um, and I think what you're saying with him, you know, we're going to contend next season. Then why are we starting Kelly Oubre? I don't believe he believes that they're gonna like they're waiting for next season to contend. I think he's doing this because he actually thinks they, they might be able to win a series or two um, and to get the West Conference Finals. That's why he's doing this. But in order to set the expectations and not have people quote him and say, oh, you know, we think we might actually be able to play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. I think there's a part of that with how he's playing the media. So I think he's juggling all that at once. I'm not saying all any of it is right, but I think that's how Steve Kerr has always done it, though. Um, and no, I think I mean, it's I, I think mostly worked. I think your points are I think your points are fair. and. Um, you know, I'd probably agree with you. That's like kind of my read too. Um, my, my question, so let's get to the Kelly Oubre thing. Okay. So mm-hmm. he clearly like, I think we're all in agreement. Like it's not that like Oubre doesn't fit or Wiseman doesn't fit or even Wiggins doesn't fit. It's like putting them all together is like, you've created this like 
literally somehow you've created a lineup with no spacing next to Steph Curry, right? Like it's, yep. it's like more of the whole thing. Like we saw Ubre play backup power forward versus the Lakers. And all of a sudden he looked like a new man. He looked productive in that role. Right. Um, what I keep coming back to is like, it, it's, it's pretty clear to me. Steve's thinking defense first. He's thinking Ubre's long, Ubre's athletic. And my priority is to try to, to get a defensive unit together and offense and Steph be damned, my system will work, right? That's the way I read it. And I'm sitting here going, I just don't know if that'll ever come around. I just don't know that Ubre is a two guard, yeah. that this yeah. lineup will work in this capacity. So if, if he's starting Ubre because he doesn't want to destroy his confidence, I can support that because that's important. But if he's starting it because he thinks, you know, in game 17 or 18, there, you know, something different's going to come, then I have to question, you know, what year he's in, really. Yeah, he's got a little, uh, he's got a little goink uh, vibe to him right now uh, in the NBA. Um, I agree. I think that he's trying to, like, he's trying to emulate pieces of what the Warriors have been successful with. And if he right. were to pick a piece, he's not picking the guy that's closest to Clay Thompson. He's picking the guy that's closest to Andrew. W oh, wow. Why did I say Andrew Wiggins? He's picking the guy closest to Andre Godala, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, Clay Thompson on defense, Sean Livingston. And like, I think, do you, like, do you know how excited Steve Kirk gets when he sees Andrew Wiggins, like a weak side help block? Like, I think he's happier about those plays than he is about Steph Curry making a three. Like, there is no doubt in my mind that that makes him more excited. And I think, I, I think that's what he truthfully believes and that he's also has this big, uh, big man uh, fetish where he thinks that if you have a big man, that automatically means your defenses should be better than without a traditional big man. Just size and athleticism. Yeah. It's like, honestly, like he's, yeah. I mean, he's super hyped on having Wiggins and Ubre who have like prototypical wing size and athleticism, right? Like they're, they're not Kawhi and, and PG, but they're built like them, right? Like there's like a fit similar physical, like he's more yes. excited to try yes. to coach that than to deal with the fact that the best player he has. And quite frankly, he's ever coached is, has the same physical build as him really, you know, <laughs> like that's what it really comes down to on some level. It's like, to me, I worry that he's going to inevitably start frustrating Steph. Like Steph is a very patient man. I don't think, I think Steph wants to retire warrior. He's been here forever. And I have no reason to think he's going to finally be like, I'm fed up with being treated this way, but it feels like a dangerous game to play. You know, like you did it with KD. You've done it all the time. Like Steph's the consummate good soldier at a certain point. Like this isn't the greatest roster ever assembled. Like maybe learn to optimize your, maybe optimize your best player and have them follow his lead. Because to me, this team goes as far as Steph and Draymond take them. And that's probably going to be true until they retire. Like even if Wiseman becomes a superstar, they're going to be the leaders of the team, right? At least until they retire. So I feel like you need to, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's easy to point to, well, what made the Warriors great was that Steph didn't act like other superstars, but at a certain point, maybe it's better to, to kind of push him to, right? Yeah. Um, my pushback on that would only be if Steph made it 
any a, a whiff gave off a whiff of hey steve kerr should be doing this i would like to think that steve kerr would be doing it that's true um, that's true I, I, again i think yeah I, and and that's the same stuff with like joe lacob right where joe lacob was like hey do you think do you think steph is gonna take a pay cut and steph was <laughs> like no and joe lacob said well okay <laughs> then you're going to get the max. And guess what? Steph will get the max again when his contract comes up or something close to that, right? Whatever he wants. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think if Steph had maybe a mindset of, I was, I was, I was talking to this with a couple of buddies. Like, can you imagine if he was like James Harden or Kyrie Irving? I also think Steve Kerr wouldn't coach him this way though. If, if Steph had shown That's to true. be That's James true. Harden and, and Kyrie, like Steve to me feels like Steve, like I, like I know the guy, like we're best friends. I know Sam's texting him all the time. Um, like Steve to me feels like, like he understands that he has this great pillar um, and that he'd rather work on, you know, the other three. Right. He'd rather work on the other three things or sure. two things to to at least sharpen those up so that they can be like it's his well-rounded thing. Right. Like he takes that well-rounded thing and puts it like he like puts that as a blanket kind of projection on how the Warriors should be. Um, it should be Steph is so great on offense. You know what? Why don't we take a little bit of that offense off because he's so good and make the defense a little bit closer than what it is. And I think that what we're trying to like we're trying to say is your defense is not going to get any better. Than what it is like James Wiseman is not becoming KG and, and, and Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins as cool as as fun as they are on defense are not Clay and Iguodala so why right I, and why don't you just yeah and I would just spear instead and I would just say um why aren't we looking to balance it a little more you know like uh I totally get wanting to develop them because ultimately you need them to be productive. You, you, you know, you can't just like, ah, I, I hate Ubre, throw him in the doghouse and like magically KD appears. That's, that's, you know, that's not how it works, right? Like you need to be productive, but you kind of wonder if, they, if they're in the best roles to succeed. And I, I'm thinking about this from two, two specific angles. One is Steph Curry. It is Steph is getting frustrated with these terrible starts and just kind of those lineups. Yes, like he's yes. doing most of his damage through the flow of the game in different lineup combinations, to be honest. Um, but the second one is, uh, is Wiseman. If you really want to develop Wiseman, wouldn't you want to put a little more shooting around him? Wouldn't you want maybe Damian Lee instead of Ubre? Maybe have Ubre come in when Wiggins or Draymond hit the bench, uh, try some different things just to, to try to get more out of them. I don't know. I like, I, I, I get it again, getting back to the initial quote, I get it conceptually. I'm just not sure I buy that it's the best way to do it. The Philadelphia Sixers are a great example, I think, of, of what happens when you put the right pieces around a big man. Um, I'm not saying that James Wiseman, a buddy of mine, was arguing to me today that he sees a lot of Joel Embiid and James Wiseman. I was like, stop it. <laughs> and I was like, Absol- please stop. Um, but, but Joel Embiid. That's, that's a-, a heat check. <laughs> big heat check but you know that's that's warriors fans right like i love the passion um but the thing is joel Embiid's an mvp front runner right now sam would you would you say like top three at least at the very least yeah and like probably the most talented center in the league unless you consider anthony davis one but either either way he is right yeah and he had to play around a bunch of like i don't know what elton brand was doing like he had to play with like a like horford tobias andy (laughs) with the shooting guard yeah Uh, right you know what i mean there are more ben simmons yeah ben simmons but daryl morey comes in and you know we i think daryl morey one of the best one of the best in the business and absolutely he didn't do anything crazy he said well you know what i think i'm gonna put some shooting around this guy 
You know, give me, give me, give me Seth. Give me Danny Green. Uh, Danny Green, right? Get get Alford away from this team. Uh, have T- Tobias Harris play the four, right? It's a much better fit. He's he's a good enough shooter to play the four. You know, um, get these some of these shooters in that makes sense around uh, Joel Embiid, and immediately he's unlocked. And I think that's it's so obvious. And I think that's what Steve Kerr doesn't understand or refuses to, I should say, because he probably understands it, but he refuses to because that doesn't ascribe to whatever thinking that he has that things should be. A well, triangle. he just, he just clearly prioritizes length and athleticism for defensive reasons to shooting. And, you know, part of me just thinks like, I don't know, they kind of beat the Clippers with Damian Lee and Mulder next to Steph shooting out, you know? Um, and I'm not advocating going pure Nelly ball or just running Steph out of high pick and roll all the time. I'm just saying balance it a little better. Um, and it's something that it's worried me about the Warriors for a couple of years, but they've got away with it just because they had the most talent in the league. Like you could run whatever system you want when you have uh, Steph, Clay, KD, Iguodala, Draymond, Andy Liu, Zaza, Sean Livingston, you know, like we, we got like eight all-stars. You're good. Um, but like now I, to me, I just, I continually wonder if like the rest of the league is caught up to the Warriors or surpassed them intellectually. And they're just trying to repeat a formula as opposed to continue to adapt around it. And shooting for me is the biggest one. Like I make this point every day. Um, James Wiseman's not shooting threes. He shot four in like the first game. And a lot of it was in garbage time. He doesn't shoot threes anymore. His ability to hit threes is what's going to make him special as opposed to just a good big man, right? Yeah. Like he, he, uh, he doesn't shoot threes. He, he, he maxes out as Rudy Gobert. Fine, but not exactly, you know, the greatest return ever for, for what you're hoping. He, he's able to shoot threes. All of a sudden, he's like some sort of Chris Bosh type character. And you're like, that's a guy I need for sure. And it doesn't feel like it's a top priority to develop him that way. And all of this points to a mindset that I'm just, it, I don't think it's unreasonable to have questions and to wonder. Like saying, look at the rings doesn't mean anything to me. Phil Jackson has 11 rings. Phil Jackson, I don't know that I'd want him coaching a team in 2021. I don't just like I wouldn't want to dig up Red Auerbach and have him coach a team either. Jesus, <laughs> that was good. That was good to not see that coming. Um, I think their top priority is developing James Wiseman. The problem is their top their their problem is how right. The problem is how are they developing him? Because we we've heard that they know that they know that you know whose fault it is if James Wiseman doesn't become a star. It's not really James Wiseman. It's the coaching staff. It's the developmental staff. Like, they understand that James Wiseman has all the tools. Great. Maybe he doesn't have the innate ability to be Anthony Davis, but he has the ability to be developed into a very good – Bam out of bile. Like, he has great feel for the game, especially defensively. But he had to be developed into a great – like, the great, like, Draymond Green-esque type of player today that he is. And I think that's James – like, that's James Wiseman, who doesn't have the same amount of feel, but the talent – not the not even the talent, the freaking athleticism is good enough for him to be – a Rudy Gobert with a jump shot, which is, I mean, my God, that's already like that. That's already one of the more valuable players in the freaking NBA. So it's up to them. Right. And you're saying they know that they know that that's the most important thing. They're just doing it wrong. At least in your opinion, maybe, I mean, and, and maybe he starts shooting threes in 10 games and maybe it comes around. It's just, but it's something that's very important to me to see them do 
because his value is almost exclusively tied to his ability to shoot from the outside. Um, if you're a big man, there's like the, the, the most important thing is being able to defend in space. I think he'll eventually be able to do it. He may, it may take him a while, but I think he'll eventually be able to do something. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be AD, but I think he can at least, he's too athletic and he's too long to not have some value in space. Even if it's like letting guys beat him and then blocking him from behind, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, But the jump shot is probably more important to his offense than anything. I think he's going to be fine being a rim runner, but he needs to be able to shoot the ball. It's 2021. That's like the most important thing. And you know, whether it, whether it happens now or in nine months, like it doesn't matter, but I just, just keep in mind, this is the coach who, you know, got on Draymond for shooting when Draymond was shooting 40% from three and now Draymond can't shoot. You know, it, it feels like I, have we ever seen um, this coaching staff develop a shooter? I'm just like, honestly, like they didn't develop Steph or Clay shooting. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, they didn't develop KD shooting. They also, you know, th- sometimes you have a guy who can just shoot for it before you get there. Right. But it's like, have they really I mean, developed they, they, didn't, they, did, they didn't develop Justinian Jessup shooting. That kid can fucking shoot. Uh, I ain't going to give him that, that one either. Um, I think with Wiseman, I think maybe the, I, I got, we're disagreeing a little bit today. I like it. I like it. It's good. Good content. Um, I would rather see him roll more to the rim and take a dribble when he gets the ball to go to the rim. Um, the problem is, number one, he's not catching the freaking ball. Um, yes. And then number which, two... Which, which also feels like a spacing issue, which gets back to my shooting point. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like some, some of the stuff where he's just not catching the ball right in front of him. Like, dude, he's wide open. He's just not catching it. Or he's getting the ball and he's bringing it down and getting a stripped or he can't get a rebound. Like, to me, it's like, dude, you just can't catch the damn ball. Like, that's what we do there, right? Um, and then the second one is, go to the fucking rim like take a dribble and go to the damn like when we watch Giannis first coming into the league he used to take one step into the three from the half court and dunk and, and that was Giannis right not saying Wiseman is Giannis but Giannis or sorry but Wiseman has the ability to just take one dribble from the free throw line one step and go up for a layup or a dunk and I don't see that enough and that may be spacing that may be not having Damian Lee in, uh, in there right but there have been many times where I see him take a 12-footer when I'm just like, bro, you're a 50% free throw shooter. You're not making this mid-range shot at, an, at, a, at, a, at a clip that matters. Take a dribble and go into the damn hole. Like, I, that pause again. But, like, that's it's very simple basketball, man. And, and I don't see I don't good for see a pause that. every episode. Every episode. I don't see that. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't see that enough. Um, uh, I don't know why we're doing the James Wiseman bashing today. Let's pivot. Where, where are we going next? Yeah. And and actually I don't even want to, you know, like this wasn't even meant to be a, uh, a bashing session. It's just like, I don't think these are unfair questions to ask. And the last thing is, I don't think it's unfair for, for like fans on Twitter to bring up like their thoughts either. Like the, the biggest thing I'm seeing and it's like an overarching thing, but it really kind of bothers me is like traditional media just constantly like taking pot shots at fans on Twitter. Like, what are we doing here? What, what is the point of that? Like none of this works without people consuming the product. So certain fans are irrational. Who cares? So certain people think that, you know, James Wiseman shouldn't be playing. So certain people don't like that. They're not starting Damian Lee. 
why are we taking shots at fans? What, 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 are, what are we doing here? It's so small-minded. Yeah, I, uh, my general take always is I just like passion. I, I just like people that are genuinely passionate about basketball. And if they're pissed, great. If they're happy, great, right? Like, like my thing is, like, if you're depressed after watching Warriors game, first of all, like, relax a little bit. But, like, that's that's good. That's good for – like, that's what sports fans are, right? Like, you grow up and you watch the Warriors or you watch the Niners, you watch the Giants. If you're if you're down bad, you're Sam, you watch the A's. And, and like, you watch <laughs> a lot of L's. Like, you know what I mean? So – but like I, I'm, I'm with you, Sam. Like I'm with you. I, I always enjoy when people are passionate about things because that's all that matters. Whether you're right or you're wrong, like whether you are right or that, that in itself does not matter because it's sports. It doesn't matter who. There's no right or who's wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, um, it's just, it's just you gotta be passionate about. It. That's all that matters. So I'm with you. Um, I think this points to another issue that uh, is an extension of players and teams themselves and even the NBA at large is that they just care too much about what, what a very small minority of people have to say um, right on Twitter and wherever. And I think that that speaks to majority of it because like I was on the pod with, uh, with Hugh Tomasello yesterday and I told him like, do you know how many people of Warriors fans really know what Steph better is? Like these listeners probably do, but like outside of that, out of like all Warriors fans, Sam, like I would say like maybe 5%. Or less know what that means. Don't get, you're not giving yourself enough credit. It's, it's <laughs> no, eight, but you it's get eight my to ten. <laughs> <laughs> but my, like my point is like is like most fans they don't know because they're not on freaking Twitter. And even if they're on Twitter, they're not following every tweet I've sent for the last seven years, man. And so I Thank think God. like <laughs> the evolution is amazing. Uh, so I think that speaks to the point that we always make is that there's like. Like, you know, the crazies, the crazies are the crazies. Enjoy the crazies, but also not the fucking majority of Warriors fans. Yeah, and that's just where I'm, that's where I'm at with it, too. Like, why? You just... So people disagree with you. So what? So, you know? So what? So it is what it is. Anyway, yeah, they're not changing the starting lineup. They're going to keep going with this, and we will be back whenever we are. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com